Hope you all had a great Christmas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Owl, or back to the podcast if you're listening again. My name is Nav, and before we begin, I want to make a quick quick correction to my previous episode, episode 2, Good Economics for Bad Times. I said that Abhijit V. Banerjee, who was the co-author of that book, was born in 1971, when he was actually born in 1961, making him 59 years old, so my apologies for this. Uh, But I have some good news, which is that today's book is different from my previous ones, with it being a book with a plot and a story. So if you are into that, you are lucky today. This book is more slice of life geared and this episode will be a shorter one. Uh, But I will get into specifics soon enough, so let's get into it. The book title is Naive Super, that's the whole book title. But I will call it Naive, Naive for the rest of this episode. The author is Erland Lowe. He was born in Trondheim, Norway in 1969. Not much is really known about his early life or his childhood, but some of his relatively early life, around 20s to 30s, may be revealed in this book. And the reason why I say may be revealed, uh, but I will get into that later. But anyways, he has been a writer for the Norwegian paper, for more, but more importantly, has written many books. They include children's books and other picture books, uh, but this book is special because not only has it been one of his first books, which uh, which was initially published in 1996, but it was the book that really broke through and was internationally read with, with over translated over uh, 20 languages. So it could be really considered his debut book. So as I established that it's an important book to low, let's jump into its style and content. So the most glaring thing about the style that everyone's eyes catches on to is the way this book is written. It has simple sentences with few words written in a prose-like format. Most paragraphs are usually one sentences uh, that simply and concisely capture the feel of the time period that Lowe is narrating about. Uh, This style of writing is more casual and makes the reader more relaxed. This this, uh, sensation of relaxedness also makes the story more relatable in a way. It has a feel-good aspect to it, uh, which makes it really enjoyable to read. And so now I will continue on to the plot. Uh, The book starts with the narrator and his brother, who are full-fledged adults, playing a silly little game for old time's sake. The game soon becomes quite competitive, and the narrator loses the game. Um, But for some reason, he starts crying. And it's not like he's a sore loser or he's over-competitive or anything. The reason is because he has been very anxious and nervous about his life for some reason that he does not understand. Uh, He feels pressured to do something about it because he's an adult, but he doesn't know anything, so this stresses him out even more. And losing this game just tipped him over the edge and overwhelmed him uh, too much, causing him to cry. His brother senses his anxiety and gives him an opportunity to cool down and think his life through. He offers him to stay in his flat for a month or more while he goes on a business trip. His job is to simply fax in whatever mail comes to his address. And the narrator uh, agrees to this and moves into the flat. Uh, He spends the rest of his time thinking about what his problem is in life actually, uh, why it is stressing him out, and how to deal with it. That's the basic premise of the plot. It is simple and clear, but at the same time vague and challenging enough to keep the reader engaged. Uh, Very soon it becomes clear that his problem is time. 
And so he is 25 and undoubtedly an adult, like I said before. But he does not know anything what to do with his life, or what to do for the rest of it at least. He thinks that he should know the answers to like philosophical, philosophical questions about life because he is an adult, but he doesn't. So this makes him even more anxious. He, he feels like he's doing something wrong in his life. There's simply not enough time to reorganize his way of life or so he thinks. This is, this is ironic because he actually knows a lot of trivial facts or what he calls useless things. This anxiousness of time is coupled by the actions he does that are related to time. Namely, he wants to keep a, he wants a watch in order to keep track of time. He's interested in this physics book that he reads uh, regularly on the theory of the relativity, which mainly concerns time, but is almost afraid of it when he cannot understand its complex relationship to time, which makes him even more anxious. Uh, he buys objects like a ball and a peg to, monoton to monotonously spend time and remind him of his past uh, when he was a child and takes his mind off the anxiousness of an adult. And most importantly, he is afraid of what he will turn out to be. He wants to be a good person and, that, and in his eyes that means a person who has a positive impact on this world. But he is nervous that as time passes he'll, he will eventually become a bad person or a person who has a negative impact on society. This dilemma is relatable to many people, especially young people, who carry the same nervousness and problems he faces which, add, which makes it more relatable. He goes along his life meeting and communicating with people who help him slowly recover his anxiousness and, and he tells stories that relate to what he's experiencing at that moment. He meets a child, a potential girlfriend, a good friend, a bad friend, and his friends, who all give their take on life. One thing that they all have in common is that they, don't, they know that they do not have all the answers to life, but that does not bother or overwhelm them. They, they learn to live and accept it in their own ways. Some of them that are good and some of them that are bad. In fact, some of them take this as a challenge and as a, and as a motivation, and others take it like the proverb, ignorance is bliss. As he, progresses it, as he progresses in his journey, he is invited to New York from his brother. He is baffled by the different hustle and bustle of New York and America in general. He sees that Americans have a simple philosophy of bigger is better, and that they do, and that they do not concern themselves with things that are not related to that. It is, a, it is a simple and attainable life. He would like to adopt it, but replace money and objects with some, with some other goal in life that is far simpler and achievable. He wants to strive to become a good person, and as long as he keeps that, in, that goal in mind and focuses on it regularly, he will surely become a good guy. He still wants to keep the concept of time and physics as a novelty rather than a motivation, but only as long as he keeps his true goal and does not get lost then only he can enjoy that novelty. The book ends with him going back on a plane to his town in Norway. He reflects on his journey and admits he still does not know if everything fits. He is still unsure about, uh, about a lot of things, but that is fine with him. But it does not matter to him and he's looking forward to the simple things in life, namely going back to his girlfriend. And he's looking forward to his goal of becoming a really good guy. So my final thoughts uh, this. It is a short, clear, and concise book that spans 197 pages with relatable and engaging plot. It has great meaning of just sticking to a simple and attainable goal, which works especially for young people with this generation, and would definitely recommend it to them. Well, that's all I have for you today, 
and I hope you enjoyed this shorter episode of OWL. If you have any comments or questions regarding the episodes or the show, please let me know in the email provided in the description, and thank you for listening.